So this morning, we're talking about calling. Now, calling is a very big topic. Between my undergraduate degree and my seminary degree, I have taken four separate classes on calling. So we're not going to get very deep in that today. There's a lot out there, and we're just going to barely scratch the surface of what it means to be called. But I want to talk about it because a few months ago, I attended a continuing education seminar and every person in the room was a pastor of some kind. The speaker was a pastor, the people attending were pastors, everyone was a pastor. And the speaker said, um, like he you know, gestured to the audience and said, all of us in this room understand our calling. All of us wake up every morning understanding how the work that we do serves the kingdom. And when I say work, I don't mean like our employment. I mean just the things that we do. And that is very true. I have spent years trying to discern my call and figure out what it is that God has gifted me with and how he wants to use that. And because of that discernment, because of my understanding of his call on my life, I wake up every morning understanding how what I do glorifies the Lord. And I'm also able to wake up every morning knowing that even on the days that I don't understand what I'm supposed to do or I don't feel qualified to do what I'm supposed to do, I know that it doesn't matter. I know that God has still called me to it and he is going to equip me. So an example is every time I preach, the week before, there's at least one day during the week when I spend the whole day just on my face saying, I have no idea what I'm doing. I have nothing insightful to say to these people. I have no wisdom to offer. Why would they listen to me? And God says, you're right, you don't but I do. And that's what it means to be called. To know that even when you have no idea what you're doing, when there's someone you have to witness to and you have no idea what you have to say, because you know that God is calling you to it, you know that he's gonna be there to back you up. He's going to give you the words to say. He's going to point you in the right direction, give you the right people, the right circumstances, because you have been called. And so at this seminar, the speaker said that to us. And then he said, but most of you serve congregations of people who have no idea what they've been called to. And... Honestly, that kind of wrecked me a little bit because I love waking up every morning with that confidence. I love waking up understanding how what I do fits into the greater picture of what God is doing. And I can't imagine not understanding my purpose. 
not understanding how my gifts should be used for the kingdom. But so often when we think about calling, we just think about it in terms of pastors and missionaries. But that's not true. You have been called to things. And arguably, maybe more important things. If we read a little uh, further down, starting in verse 11, Paul says, and he, being Jesus, he gave the, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. He says that, Paul says that God gave pastors, he gave the people who are in ministry, the people who we typically think of as being in ministry, he gave those to the church not to do the work of ministry, to equip the saints to do the work of ministry. It's not on us, it's on you. It's on us to equip you, but you don't pay us to evangelize. You don't pay us to build the church. You don't pay us to grow the church. You pay us to teach you how to do that. But nonetheless, that's on you, Paul says. That's what you've been called to. Now, last week, Dave went over um, the core values that the Advanced Strategic Planning Committee has uh, been processing through, the things that we want to value as a church, the things that we do value as a church, and how we can shape our mission, shape our programs around those values, right? And he listed two things that were aspirational values, things that we don't hold as significant as we should or things that we can grow in a little bit, but that we know really ought to be at the center of who we are as a church. And those two aspirational values were evangelism and leadership. Evangelism being how we share the gospel and uh, leadership being how do we identify our gifts and then put them into practice. How do we use our gifts? And really, those two things boil down to calling. The fact that those are aspirational values means that we as a staff and as lay leaders and committee leaders um, haven't really been doing that as well as we ought to. There's definitely growing room for that, which is why my hope is this morning we can just start that conversation. But the reality is that your calling is to evangelize. That's the first part of your calling. That is something that every single person has been called to. That's the Great Commission. Go and make disciples of all nations. That is something that every single one of us need to make a priority in our lives because 
Jesus has commanded it. In fact, it was the last thing he commanded. Last words are pretty important, and Jesus's were to tell you to go and make disciples of all nations. But that can be pretty scary. Evangelizing is terrifying, and I get that. But why? Why does it frighten us? We're called to be a witness. And being a witness means that you see something and then you tell someone else, right? That's what a witness in a courtroom does. They see a crime and then they tell someone what they saw. Being a witness for the Lord is to see what God is doing and tell someone what God is doing. Tell someone what you saw. So to be a good witness, all we have to do is keep our eyes open and notice things and then tell people about it. Now that involves keeping your eyes open and noticing things. And for some of us, that's hard to, um, that we don't really know what God is doing in our lives and we don't really know what God is doing in the lives of people around us because we're not paying attention. But it's there, God's doing things, I promise you. In your life, in your neighbor's lives, in the life of this church, Are you paying attention, though, to notice it? And then the second part of that is telling someone. And this is where most of us get tripped up because it feels scary talking about Jesus. It feels scary talking about God. There's some sort of pressure of, is this other person going to receive it well? Am I doing it well? Do I have the right words? Are they going to think I'm weird? But the truth is that if God is a big part of your life, why wouldn't you talk about him? If you're married and you've been married for a while, it is completely natural for you to talk about your spouse all the time. Right? You're at work and something funny comes up and you, it reminds you of your spouse and so you tell a funny anecdote about, hey, this funny thing happened with my spouse. Let me tell you about it. Because they're a big part of your life. It's not at all weird for you to drop their name in a conversation. When someone asks you what you did this weekend, it's not at all weird for you to tell, like, tell a story about them or mention that you did something with them because they are a big part of your life. But it wasn't always like that. There was a time in your relationship when it was still weird to talk about them. When you first started dating, maybe right after your first date, or when you first met them and hadn't quite asked them out yet, it was weird. You didn't bring them up in conversation all the time. You didn't tell stories about them, or if you did, you you felt a little uncomfortable, you weren't sure how your family was gonna react, you know, is it serious enough yet for me to talk about them? Is it serious enough for me to say these things? Because you didn't know them very well yet. They weren't a big part of your life. But now that they are, talking about them is second nature. Talking about God is just like that. 
if it's weird to talk about them, about to talk about God, then that means you probably don't know him well enough yet. He's probably not as big a part of your life as you want him to be. When something is the center of who you are, it naturally flows out of you. And it's not weird. And other people sense that. Other people hear it in the way that you talk. And they're not going to be weirded out by you talking about something that really matters to you. But if it's forced because he doesn't really matter all that much to you, then yeah, it's going to feel weird. Being a witness is seeing God do something and then telling people what you've seen. That's what Paul means in the first part of verse 12 when he says that um, the, the pastors and the shepherds are to equip the saints for the work of ministry. That's evangelism. And the second part of verse 12 says that um, he has also given the pastors and the preachers um, to equip the saints for building up the body of Christ. That is the second part of your calling. You are to build up the body of Christ. Evangelism is about what happens outside these walls. But the second half of your calling, 50% of what you are called to happens inside these walls. And I don't necessarily mean inside these walls because life group happens outside and service projects happen outside, but inside this body of people. 50% of what you are called to is affected by, or affects these people. We think a lot about um, how we serve people outside the church and that matters because that's half of your calling, but the other half of your calling is how you serve your church. Because building up the church is how we affect people outside of it. And what Paul says, building up the body of Christ, that happens by doing three things, by recognizing three things. And these three things are what make up your calling to the church. First is your gifts. The Holy Spirit equips each of us with spiritual gifts. All of you have one, whether you recognize it or not. I promise you do. And you have to re we have to recognize them, which is hard. Many of us don't know them. Um, there are, if, uh, if you don't know what your spiritual gifts, gift is, there are like tests you can take online um, and they're not perfect, but they're a good start. And um, if you take one of those tests, it, it'll give you the first like three or five that 
are most compatible with you. And then taking those to people who know you really well, your small group or your Sunday school class or your pastors or your family and saying, do these make sense for me? <laughs> and having people say yes or no, I really don't see that. Um, so recognizing your gifts. How has God uniquely gifted you? And then the second thing is what are your passions? We all have things that, are, that we're really passionate about, things that really get us fired up and get us motivated and, um, uh, yeah, passions that we have. And God has uniquely created you with passions that are unique to you. Dave and I are both in ministry, but we're passionate about different aspects of it. And that's good because that builds the church in different ways. So what are your passions? What do you care about? And then the third thing is your circumstances. Your circumstances are unique to you. There are things that you have done or experienced or places that you're in, people that you're surrounded with that I'm not surrounded by. Things that I haven't done, that I know nothing about because they haven't happened to me. But God has directed your life, surrounded you with people, and put you in places so that you have a unique set of circumstances that you can use to glorify the kingdom. So putting all three of these together, an example would be if your gift is the gift of encouragement and your passion is to serve underserved populations, to care for underserved populations, and the circumstance that you find yourself in is being a special education teacher. It's really easy to see how those three things come together to create a very unique calling on that person's life. That's not something I could do. I couldn't serve that population in the way that this person could. And that person can serve their families those students and their coworkers in a unique way because of their gifts, their passions, and the circumstances they find themselves in. Or another example would be if you have the gift of mercy, meaning um, you're very compassionate, and you have a passion for people who are hurting, and your circumstance is that you've suffered a great loss, maybe a spouse or a child or um, just a loved one of some sort. Maybe you've dealt with suicide. Maybe you've experienced some sort of loss that not everyone has experienced. That person is uniquely gifted, uniquely called to help others who experience similar, similar loss walk through their grief. Those are just two examples, but all of us have this kind of calling. It's a matter of figuring out what it is. You are uniquely suited to something that I am not. But are you doing it? And the thing is, you're never too old for this or never too young for this. This is not something that just happens if you're in a workplace or just happens if you have a family. This is for all of us. 
retired or still in school. It doesn't matter. Um, several years ago, there was a group of um, shut-ins from Yorkshire who served at VBS in a way that most of us wouldn't. The craft people, the craft ladies, um, sent a stack of papers that need to be, needed to be cut so that when the kids got there um, Monday morning for VBS, part of their craft was already done to save time and save complication of figuring out how to cut these things out. And so they sent this stack of papers to the nursing home, and these women who weren't able to participate in VBS in uh, in terms of like being here, but still were passionate about ministry to children, were still able to contribute to our VBS program. Or I have a friend um, who's a youth pastor at another church where the week before their youth mission trip, the children's ministry spends their Sunday school time decorating brown bags, drawing uh, fun pictures or writing scripture verses or encouraging notes so that during the mission trip, when the students are feeling discouraged or tired or really hot, they pull out their lunch and there on their lunch pail is an encouraging message or a fun picture from a child that they know who says, I want you to do well this week. Those children were too young to participate on the mission trip, but they were still passionate. They still cared about the work that those kids were doing, so they helped in a way that they could. You are uniquely gifted to do something that only you can do. The question is, are you willing to figure it out? It's hard work discerning your calling. But that's what we're here for, to help you do that. Please let us help you figure that out. Because once you figure out a way that you can make a difference, a way that you can uniquely serve, it changes your perspective on everything. It changes the way you wake up in the morning. Church, I want that for you. I want you to have passion and um, drive in not just your employment or not just when it comes to your family, but in every moment of your life. You are called to serve outside this building and you are called to serve inside these walls. How do your passions, your gifts, and your circumstances come together to create the work that God has uniquely called you to? Please let us help you figure it out. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you that you have called us and that you have prepared good works for us to do ahead of time. Things that we don't even see yet. Things that we don't even know about, but things that we are uniquely suited to.
Help us to find that. Help us to use our gifts, to use our passions, and to recognize how our circumstances allow us to serve you in a unique way. We love you, Lord. Let me pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.